and light. That's a good thing. So a little bit earlier, we had, uh, so far we've had mixed reviews on the uh, broadcast. We've had one that's been able to see it and one that hasn't been able to see it. So uh, we'll kind of go from there with it. We are still working out the bugs, so if anybody else gets to come in, hopefully they'll do it. So we're about ready, Joe. We're on the air. Okay, I like that. So Joe and I have this new signal. Uh, one, if he gives me a thumbs up, we're ready to go. If it's thumbs down, well, you all die. So anyway, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Uh, this morning, as we are looking at the uh, topic of who hath believed our report, and I want to share something with you that just, just is amazing to me. Whenever I read the book of Isaiah, or Daniel, or Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, or any of those writings, it is amazing to me the, the foresight that God allowed these men to have, especially Isaiah. Do you realize that we know so much of the proof that Jesus is Messiah based on the things that are written from the book of Isaiah? But probably the most profound of them all is what we find here in Isaiah chapter 53. And remember this, is that when the Ethiopian eunuch was approached by Philip, he was reading this particular passage from the Old Testament, or what we would call the Jerusalem text. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, and let's read together, shall we? We're going to read the entire chapter, so please bear with me. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our, sor our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him uh, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisements of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who hath declared his generation, for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and, had, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, and he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, over the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressions. Let us pray. Father, again, I pray that you will just help us now. 
Father, that we would not be in a hurry with thy word, but that we would enjoy the things that you have written there. Lord, when I think about what I deserve, I don't deserve any of your blessings. I don't deserve any of your goodness. I don't deserve the, the status or anything that you've given me. And yet, because you love me, because you care for me, because, Father, you want even your desire of those things for me, Lord, I want to give myself to you and to this church and to those that I have the common interest in witnessing to. And help me, dear Father, to take these things that are written in the Word and help me, Father, to find the blessings of the things that are given. Help us, dear Father, to know the truth. Help us, dear Father, to know the things that you give us. And bless and keep us now, we pray. And Lord, if it be thy will, touch the heart of a hearer, that they may perceive the things that are, are, are spoken, the things that are written in your word, and may we rejoice in you. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. In the time that we have together today, I want us to think a little bit about the things that we read from the book of Isaiah, <coughs> as well as the things in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and any other parts of the Bible that might be there. The hard part that most people don't understand is that they want to jump in, they want to hear good news, they want to run out and, and start telling people about it. But the reality is, is that Isaiah was a man who had spent many, many hours with the Lord God. No one was given the insight that this man had been given. I, I want to show that what I mean by that. Let's take our Bibles and let's hold here. Let's go back to the chapter 1. And I want to show you just how much that the Lord communicated with Isaiah. And again, some of these verses I would recommend that you would write them down or underline them and come back and look at them a little bit later. But in Isaiah chapter 1, as we see these things opening up, this was Isaiah's writing to the, the, the Judean kings. Remember this, by this time that you had the Judean kings have been separated from the Israeli kings. To the north in Samaria, we had a totally different debacle that was going on. And that's why we find Elijah and a lot of the testimonies that he was doing. But here Isaiah is shown the truth of the matter that was going to occur with the Judean kings. But look what it says in verse 18. Come now. Come now. What does that mean? Come to me. Come to me right now. I'm not asking you all to come to me physically, but this is a call from God to say, Now, children of Israel, come unto me. And let us reason together, saith the Lord. You know, one of the things that really bothers me is we're living in a time where people say, Well, God will accept me just the way I am. He will accept the sinner, but he will never accept the sin. How many times have we ever said, Lord, forgive me, but we don't really mean forgive me? Forgiveness is something that I, I don't offer a sacrifice every time I sin, but I am really with a contrite heart broken because I continue on in this sin. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. In other words, I have the power to cleanse you of your sins. Look what else he says. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Reality is, let's go back and let's sit and hear some more what he had to say. Verse 10. And the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Solomon, 
He's speaking to the Judean people. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices? Let, let's just bring it to a natural relationship. What is the reason behind all Do you realize that there's people that they think, well, I go to church, that's, that should be good enough. It's not. Well, I pay, I pay my tithes and offerings. That should be enough. That's not. Many people mistake morals as being good. says, oh, he is so wonderful looking. Many years ago, I, I, I witnessed this firsthand as many times the kids would just would talk about how beautiful a woman was or how magnificent a man was. I said, don't you realize that's lust? One of the things that I oftentimes do when I get ready to uh, perform a marriage over a couple, I'll say, I want you to look at that individual and tell me what you don't like about him or what you don't like about her. And many times there will be the cover-up. There will be the rose glasses syndrome. We won't even go that far with it. But the thing is, when the Lord said, I am tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your prayers. I'm tired of everything you give me because you mean nothing by it. Let's see if I'm not right with that. Saith the Lord, I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of rams or of he-goats. This is the lament that Isaiah began to write as it was inspired of him of God to do so. Later on in Isaiah chapter 6, notice again, Isaiah chapter 6, he was allowed to see a portion of heaven and how that we had these wonderful beasts that, that were there. And noticing in verse 6 it says, Then flew one of the, the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, you know, we got to understand this. When we understand the power of God and the preaching of the word, it's not my message. Who has believed our report is not It's everyone who has ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior that we will now declare it before others. And, and notice that this man said, Lord, I am a I could go on and on. Do you realize the book of Isaiah chapter 11, verse, you know, verses 6 and 7, speaks how that there would be one that would come. Chapter 9 talks about it being uh, that he would come by a virgin. And that the titles he has in verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 6 and 7. But what most people don't like, and this is what gets me, what most people don't like is the message of Isaiah chapter 53. It's all right to have Jesus come into a manger scene. 
There he seems helpless. There he needs us. There he is something that is just beyond the understanding because he's so timid, so meek, so mild. But let's put him on the cross and let's kill him. Let's not talk about anything that he did in between and let's make him a martyr. Jesus did not die a martyr's death. He died a sacrificial death. He died the death of the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And that is the message that we need to understand. Who has believed our report? So I can almost imagine as Isaiah is writing these things down and he's saying, who is going to believe what I have to say? This was some five, seven hundred years somewhere in that neighborhood before the Lord even came to this earth and he was given the vision. Matter of fact, may I point this out to you? That Isaiah saw the cross of Calvary. He saw the death of Jesus long before it ever happened. I've, I've, I've experienced that myself. I remember many years ago when, and I told you about this, how that they showed the movie The Passion of the Christ. And they, they wanted to make it as realistic as possible. And they went in and they, they did this, the, 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 the cat of nine tails upon his back. They did all these other things and they, they crucified him. And someone asked me about it and I said, I've seen this movie. Not with the physical eyes, but I've seen Christ upon the cross of Calvary. I have seen it because God has allowed the word to be exposed in such a way. But may I point this out to you? Isaiah showed us things that we never even anticipated. It said his visage was so mocked. Can you imagine your body beaten to such a, a only said seven things upon the cross. We don't know how much that the thieves said. One on the left and one on the right. We do know that they mocked him, that we do know they laughed at him until one Who has believed our report? Do you realize that plucking of his beard is only mentioned in the book of Isaiah? We don't even know anything else about Jesus Christ and his crucifixion outside of what we read in the Old Testament. And men like Isaiah were allowed to have some image. Jesus was not something that we would desire. In fact, that's the thing that I see here in this word over and again. It said he was despised not because there was anything beautiful about him. Have you ever noticed that many times the pictures that are painted, he looks so beautiful, he looks so infeminate, there's not a blemish on his face, he looked really amazing. But what if he was homely? What if Jesus Christ was not that beautiful image? How many of us would want to listen to him? And yet when he approached the day before John, in John chapter 1, verse 29, when John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, immediately those that had followed John, they began to pay attention. 
Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus went to John and said, Now I must be baptized of you. No, 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 Lord. Suffer to be so now, John, for it is required of us to fulfill all righteousness. That's the beauty of who hath believed our report. And you know, sometimes we try to make our, our, our faith too simplistic. But the reality is, Jesus began it all by proving to the world he was worthy. From the moment that Jesus appeared on the scene, everything that he did was in the light of worthiness. That's the beauty of it all. He proved that he was, he was the one that was worthy to die. It says over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27, without the remission of sin, without the remission or without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. When Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary, his blood was shed that others would be saved. Now, did I understand that the moment that I was saved? I dare not. What I do recall was my own sinful condition was in need of a Savior. And I remember that at that moment, and I, in fact, I'll let you know this, is that I wanted to fall asleep. I didn't want to pay attention. And we, there was this little ritual that they would oftentimes do. If you want to be saved, raise your hand on the congregation. I never even raised my hand. Mom, Mom would probably have beat me to a pulp if I had. But immediately when the song began to be sung, I wanted to lay down in the pew and go to sleep. But I was stirred. Immediately I was stirred. You need Jesus. And I don't remember anything more than that was said. In fact, the only thing I remember is that I believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I believed for real. I was sharing with Jimmy and his wife a little bit earlier the challenges of faith. I remember one time when my oldest son was, we, you know, I always thought because, you know, I'm a Christian man and I always served in church, things like that, that surely they would understand everything that I taught. But I remember one time Tony looked at me and he said, Dad, I don't understand and I'm having a hard time with the resurrection. Now stop there just for a moment. What is the hard thing that you have in regards to Jesus? Jesus said, I'll take you as you are, but I won't leave you the way you are. I go to the, I go to the cross to die for you, and when I am resurrected, I will show you all things. How many of us really believe that? And yet, the reality is, is that, and I showed that to Tony, I said, Tony, why do you have a hard time accepting that he rose again? He said, because I've never seen it again. Now think about this for a moment. None of us have seen anyone physically rise from the grave. Take, take your Bible. Hold your place here. Let's go to the Gospel of John. And I'm going to show you that was not a new thing. <coughs> and in John chapter 20... I want you to see exactly what happened with the apostles. John chapter 20, you know this passage, this is nothing new. In verse 25 it says, And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. This is them speaking to Thomas. But he said unto them, 
except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. Now stop there for a moment. Here was a man who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Here was a man who heard all the matter of man can speak and the elements would hear. It was the same Thomas who watched the ships being filled with fishes to the point of being sunk, and yet the nets did not break. It was the same Thomas that had seen the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But he said, I won't believe. Listen to me. I won't believe. I won't believe. That's the common core of this world which we live in. I won't believe. And you know the reality is, you won't believe until the Holy Spirit carries the message in such a way that you will see Christ anew. You know, I can stand up here and I can rant and rave and tell you all about the salvation of Jesus Christ, but unless the Holy Spirit makes you understand, you won't believe. Look what else it says. John, Thomas said, except I see the nail, the hands in the prints of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, they're assembled together again. I love this. And after eight days again, the disciples were within, were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. You know, I, I really, there's part of me that it, can you imagine the apostles just standing there and Thomas saying, okay, where's Jesus at now? And can you imagine Jesus approaching him from behind? I, I don't know how the Lord did it. I, I just don't know. But can you imagine the moment that the Lord came to Thomas directly and stood in front of him and said, Thomas, come here. I want to have that moment with everyone so that they might hear the words, come here. And notice it said, and after eight days again the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. Then saith he unto Thomas, now, reach thither thy finger and behold my hands. You, want to, you don't believe? Put your fingers right here. And reach over thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Thomas said, I will You know what I love about that message? The moment that the Lord said, You will believe, he became aware of the faith that it took to be part of Jesus Christ. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. And, and here's the, look at the change. And, and when he said, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Oh, Thomas. I can almost hear the, the, the passion in the Lord's voice. Thomas, because you have seen me. Because you have seen me. Thou hast believed. Let me stop here for a moment. 
How many of you all would love to hear Jesus say right now, you've seen me and you believe? By faith, we believe and we see. With Thomas, it was see and believe. By faith, we believe and see. With Thomas, it was see and believe. And Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I am more blessed. I, you know, it's like this, is that I've seen the resurrection. I've seen the stone rolled away. I've seen the guards fall to the ground. With the, the, the faith of my mind and the reading of the word of God, I believe every little bit of it. And so when we see Isaiah saying, Who is going to It's an amazing statement, but we believe it because we have seen it. But look what else it says in verse 4. What did Jesus do for us? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. You know, and I'm going to pick on these two, that are, these two men that are here. I love these two men that I'm with every day. It's humbling to me that I've invited them to come to church and they're here today. And I pray that everyone that I come in contact with, that it, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a house full of people who wanted to know about Jesus come in here and be in our services? <laughs> Let me tell you what, church, you ain't seen nothing yet. When God starts moving on us, he will take the raw core of individuals and he'll make us be the teachers that we should be. And every day we have the opportunity to tell others of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that's beautiful. I get to tell everyone around, He bore my griefs. He bore my sorrows. And I've seen Him smitten upon the cross of Calvary, but I didn't expect Him to be the man of God that He is. Verse 5 says, And he was wounded for my, our transgression. Stop, stop making it our. Bring it inward. He was bruised for me. You know, one of the things that I tell people is, stop trying to make it a universal thing, but make it personal. When Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary, it says over in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, that I was in the palms of his hand. And he said, I'm doing this for Michael Prater. Many years down the road, I see you, Michael, and yes, I am dying for you. Before the foundations of the world, and here's the thing, it's beautiful also. He was wounded, and he was bruised for iniquities. It says that the Jewish, the Jewish guard blindfolded him and buffeted him. In other words, they slapped him. Then they said, prophesy, who hit you? You think that they just went, and that was it? Oh, no. Many times they would reach back just as hard as they could because they hated Jesus, because they hated his message. They wanted...
wanted to leave an impression upon him and the knuckles that would have hit him on the side. Maybe it loosened up a tooth. Maybe it would have done something else that would have been a damaging. But when Jesus was hit, he was hit with the force of another man. And then that man said, who did it? For me, he took that. Many years ago, I was scheduled to sing in, in church, and, and as you all know, I enjoy singing. And when that kidney stone came and hit me right before services, I went, blessed be the name, and a few other choice thoughts. But I remember this. As I laid up on that hospital bed, and I said, Lord, may I never deny you. I don't know what I'm going to face. Greg said it the other day, you know, two, a few weeks ago, when he read, he said, we will be tried. And people we've counted as our friends will try go right along with us, with the rest of the world, and see us punished. And we will be scattered. Look what it says in verse 6. All be like sheep have gone astray, and have turned every one to his own way. What did Jesus say to the apostles? Before the day is done, you're going to flee from me. All of you. But you, Peter. You, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows twice. And it says over in the book of Luke, when, when Peter had no sooner finished denying Christ for the third time, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I, I am afraid of the gaze of Jesus Christ. When I stand before him, do you think I'm going to stand proud for who I am? No. I will sink before him and I will hear his words, stand my son. I will crumble. As all the, other, all the others who have ever believed in him have crumbled, and then I will see him as he really is. I could say a lot more, but I want to say this to you right now. How will you stand after hearing such a message as this? If the day comes and you will have to give an account of yourself before Jesus Christ, what will be said of you? Will you believe? I don't know what tomorrow may hold. But this I do know, that in Jesus Christ alone is salvation and is hope. He was bruised, he was crucified, but he was not left dead. I'm going to show you one more passage. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, and let's go to chapter 10. <clears throat> and in John chapter 10, <clears throat> listen to what the Lord says, beginning of verse 25. And Jesus answered them, I told you and believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. Look what else it says. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I have known them. And they follow me. Aren't you glad? And I give unto them eternal life. You know, here's the thing. I know I'm getting older in this body, but the day is going to come when I shall graduate from this, this mortal coil 
and I shall stand before Jesus Christ eternally. I already have eternal life. I already have it. But then it will be made manifest. And like I tell people, you think I'm good looking now? You ain't seen nothing yet. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I am secure in Christ. Father, again, I want to thank you for the message that you've allowed us to deliver this morning. And I pray, Father, that you will lead us as we conclude in this hour. I thank you, Father, for your salvation. I thank you for saving me. And now I pray, Father, that you will just continue to guide and bless and help us. May we have faith in you in all things. And may we rejoice in that which you have given. And we will rejoice in thy name, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, I turn the services back to you.